gold. I would like to introduce our guest, Miss Renee Gibson. How are you, ma'am? I'm great, Alex. How are you? Hey, man, just trying to stay live out here, you know? Yeah, I got you. Twitter's going crazy. The world's going crazy. And it's just it's just a lot. So just try to protect yourself, you know? I hear you. All right. So I have an icebreaker question for you, inspired by one of our colleagues, Adriana, and loyal listener to the pod. <laughs> yeah. Um, since we both have podcasts, we often bounce uh, icebreaker questions off each other. But here we go. So as you think back to your early years as an adult, uh, what was one thing you had to purchase on your own where you were surprised about the price tag of it? Mm. You you said early years that made it seem like I'm, <laughs> like I'm super old or something. But, you know, I understand, you know. I mean, you're a seasoned adult. <laughs> I suppose so. I don't, I don't see myself as a seasoned adult. But you know what? I'll take it. Um, ah, you know, I would have to say, um, like kitchen stuff, you know, like pots. I didn't know that pots were and, and things that you need to cook with were kind of expensive. You know, I mean, you could buy cheap pots, but when you buy cheap pots, you have to replace them more frequently because they, I don't know, they stick and, you know, they're just not good. So it's, it's important to invest in like a nice set of pots and so it took me quite some time to figure that out because I was like, you know, spending all this money every couple months on, on a new set of pots until finally I just invested in like the $500 set. And $500? Dang. Well, I mean, you if you want it to last, I mean, by the time you, you bought like three or four sets of pots, then you've ended up spending close to that, you know? So you might as well just invest in the good set initially and then you'll have it for years. So... You know, you just you just don't realize how expensive those kinds of things are, you know, and it's not like you just need a skillet, you know, like you need the random pots, you know, so that that's something that's kind of that took me by surprise that I was like, oh, I didn't anticipate having to spend an ample amount of money on a pot or a set of pots. Well, child, that is that is so true, man. I, I remember purchasing my first set of pots. I didn't spend five hundred dollars. I definitely remember spending more money than I had on my grad school budget. And so um, that's definitely one of those things. But like you said, the more money you uh, spend on the front end um, to buy quality products, the more money you don't have to spend in the future. So I definitely understand. If you think back to undergrad Renee, um, how would you describe your relationship with food, fitness, and all just kind of being more mindful of your overall health? Oh, um, let's see. Fresh out of college, Renee, man, I had no concept of healthy anything, really. I mean, I decided that I um, was just going to live my life however I was going to live it, and food was a huge part of that um, in many ways. Um, food was used to celebrate mainly and not necessarily to um, fuel my body. I did not do very much exercise. I, um, yeah, I just, I think coming from the part of the country that I came from, 
um, it was, it was not emphasized like healthy eating and healthy living and lifestyles were not emphasized. And so coming out of college, I just survived. Um, I moved to Texas shortly after I graduated and, um, didn't really grow up eating a lot of Mexican food. And so when I ended up in Dallas, I was introduced to the quesadilla and the sour cream and the sauces that go with that. And also the frozen margarita uh, that goes along with all of that. And so when you combine those things in the queso, uh, you combine those things um, and then you um, not only eat them once, you know, you eat them a couple times a week, you know, like Mexican was like the number one on the list. That's what you, what you eat. And so if it wasn't Mexican, it was pizza or it was hamburgers or whatever. Or even if I cooked something, it was a Louisiana dish that had a sauce or something that was just extremely high in fat and calories and all the things. So that was my concept of health and like what I would eat and stuff when I graduated. Mm, I definitely can can could vouch for the the Mexican food here in Texas. It will it will throw you off. Um, can you expand a little bit more on what you meant by kind of how your upbringing kind of played a role in how you see food? Well, I think that when I was growing up, um, you know, food is just integral in lots of you know families. I mean, growing up in South Louisiana, we did everything. Everything was around food. Um, you know on Sundays at, you know, after you go to church, you go to somebody's house and you eat and um, celebrate in that way, you know, and you couldn't go to just one person's house and not, you know, you had to go to everybody's house. And then it's like, oh, fix a plate. And it's like, okay, well, I just had a plate over here. Well, no, just take a little taste, you know, or um, go fix yourself something uh, from the, get yourself something out of the refrigerator, you know, and if it's just, it was always, um, in your face, you know, that's just how people showed love. That's how people show that they cared. You know, people really didn't, the people I grew up around, you know, my family didn't have a lot of, like, we weren't rich people, we weren't poor people, but we certainly didn't starve, you know, like, that was the one thing that people could do for you is they could cook, you know, if you, if someone passed away, then, you know, you, you were going to get some food from somewhere. Um, nobody was ever going to go hungry. So, um, so yeah. That, that's kind of what was ingrained in us. And I, I don't necessarily think that, and it was almost like, um, you know, you couldn't be like being thin meant that you were sick. Like, why are you so skinny? You know, you don't got no, like what's wrong with you? And so you kind of had to be a certain size for people to really think that you were okay which was odd and weird to me because it was just like, okay, I say like odd and weird because it's like, you know, the norm for a woman, you know, in my family, on, on my dad's side, for example, I, these were some big women, like 200 pound, you know, big boned kind of women. And so uh, on my mom's side of the family, they were a little bit more thin, but I mean, it was still like, you know, food was still encouraged highly. Now, did you say that? Like, that's so true, man. So many of like birthday parties, cookouts, and functions, um, there's always lots of food. Like, everybody had their signature dishes. And then if you tie in alcohol with that, oh, yeah. it just goes to like another level, right? And so it just makes me think 
Yeah, and when I was coming up too, and you know, like uh, in Louisiana, the the drinking age, the legal limit to drink or age age limit to drink was eighteen, and so you know, I was drinking a lot. <laughs> you know, and we're known for the daiquiri. You know, so the daiquiri is high in sugar content, and so uh, there was a lot of that happening. I was never a beer drinker, but I certainly like a sugary mixed drink for sure. Wow, I didn't know that. That's wild. Like Louisiana, is that still a thing down there? No, twenty-one. When I got to college, my freshman, uh, the summer of my freshman year, it was eighteen, and then by the fall, it had the uh, the law had changed to twenty-one. Whoa. Yeah. Which did not stop a lot of people. I mean, you know, let's be real. It's Louisiana. We like to eat and drink. Yes, y'all do, man. You know, uh, that still doesn't stop many people because that's been a long for. Wow, that's that's interesting. And like when I think about the point you made about like Sunday dinners, like that's so true, man. Every Sunday, somebody's grandma yeah. is making food. You get the yams and green beans and chicken chicken wings. Like all of that is yeah. just that's just like culture. Almost. Well, it's still like that today. I mean, my mom goes to my great aunt's house and she cooks every Sunday. And um, I mean, she's elderly and can't do it for herself, but she goes and she cooks. But everybody goes there, you know, like my my aunt, my cousins, my aunts, you know, it ends up being a big gathering. And I think that that has, um, you know, has always been a foundation for family gatherings, you know, like you center it around food. And, you know, in Louisiana, we have, you know, a very, our, the food there is, um, it's cultural, Right. And so like, we have a lot of foods that have like, you know, the sauces and, you know, the crawfish and all that stuff. So a lot of the food that we eat is like, you know, very it's community based, you know, like a big pot of jambalaya will feed like 20 people, you know. And so it's not like it's a, a sit down meal where everybody has, you know, one little thing. It's generally a very big uh, spread that has all the things that go with it. So it's, it's always a huge spread, man. 5,000 sides, three or four meat options. It's just, it's just a lot. Uh, and you just eat it up. And so I guess as you think through life, right, like, you know, having these feasts are kind of like normal for you. At what point did you start to realize the way you, things that you learned growing yeah. up wasn't going to be sustainable for you as you traverse later in life and kind of develop your own habits? It wasn't until I was an adult, honestly, um, you know, throughout my life, like my mom is, is very, she's tiny. Like she, she was always very, um, conscious of her weight, but that was just because I think she was, uh, her, she was big about her body image, you know? And so like, that was a huge thing for her. And so she understood that like, I took after my dad's side of the family where the women were just, you know, a little bit healthier in that respect, you know, like I'm just built different. She's very petite and I'm not a petite woman. Um, and, um, and I say petite, like she's like, you know, probably like five, two, you know, and just, um, and I'm like five, six, you know, so I'm your average size woman, but she's just tiny. And so I think for her, like she noticed in me young at, in a, at a young age that I had the potential to not be as healthy as I could be, you know, and that I, I had the potential to, to be a bigger girl for lack of a better way to say it. And so she kind of stayed on my case through high school. I was pretty active. I was on the dance, I danced, um, 
you know, ballet, tap, jazz, all that stuff for several years until I got to college. Um, and so I was pretty active. I was in band and marching band and whatnot. So that there was always an activity. So it was a little bit easier in high school to be able to be focused on what I was eating. Um, and then when I got to college, I just kind of got rid of that. And I think part of the reason why I just didn't want to participate in some of that stuff and was because, you know, I had to hear growing up constantly that, you know, my mom and my ear talking about, well, you know, you got to watch, you got to watch what you eat. And, um, you got to be careful, um, because that, that's going to, you know, you can gain weight eating that. So I always heard those messages of like, you know, just food was never, my relationship with food was a love hate relationship. I think when I got to college, um, I did what I wanted to do, which was eat what I wanted to eat because my mom wasn't over my shoulder saying you shouldn't eat that or you should only eat a little bit of that. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know, forget that. You know, I'm going to do what I want to do because now I'm an adult and I can do those things. So I was never really taught how to have a good relationship with food and what that meant. You know, like portion control was never something that was talked about aside from the fact of like, you don't need to go back for another plate of food you've already eaten your, you know, your portion, um, or do you need to put that much on your plate? And so things like that were the messages that I was hearing. And I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing that they, that she was trying to do. It was just the way that she knew how to do it. She didn't have the education to be able to say, here are some things that I think you should try. I also did not like vegetables and I was very adamant about the fact that I'm not going to eat a vegetable. I don't want that. It's gross. And she did not also force me to eat them. She didn't try to cook them differently to allow me the option to try it different ways and so on and so forth. So I think like that in itself also created some unhealthy habits for me, like just not being able to eat a vegetable or enjoying them was really hard. And it kind of, um, it, it created a narrative for the things that I ended up eating later in life, you know, like, um, when I got to college, like I would just stay in the pizza and hamburger lane, you know, and sometimes it's like five or six pieces as opposed to like, I can have one slice of pizza and then maybe I need to go for the grilled chicken. <laughs> oh no, you got to get multiple slices and them fries. Oh man. No, Alex, you don't need all that. <laughs> That's what you do when you're in college though. Oh, when you're in college. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, and then you go back multiple times, you know, cause it's just there you know so okay so i think it's very very interesting that you were able to catch some of the messages that your family was giving you at a young age because uh, i'd say for me like as a boy like that was like the complete opposite um, my mom just told me to eat whatever i wanted i played basketball ran cross country and so i remember one time i ate three whoppers in one sitting <laughs> oh <my laughs> yes yeah, wow right um but i think because i was so active and just like she just thought i was going to burn it off yeah. Um, that's just kind of like what it turned into. And so, and so I guess as I think back through kind of what led to that, um, I played sports. So like we never got home at good hours in the night. Right. Yeah. And I so think. I think as you, as I think through how, what led to that, like me being active and playing sports, like we get home eight, nine, ten o'clock. Like, I think that changed the dynamic of kind of what happened. And so I guess when I think through if and when I have children, like what decisions will I have to make to kind of help change? Yeah, 
and I mean, honestly, you know, like thinking back on the things that were available to me, you know, like I didn't want enough, like there weren't a lot of, she didn't keep vegetables, a lot of vegetables in the house, you know, just because nobody, I mean, my, my dad would eat them and she would eat them, but like my brother and I wouldn't eat that stuff. And so it's like, it, to, to us, it wasn't even an option, you know, and she just didn't want to fight that fight with having to get us to do it and so, or eat it. And so she didn't, she didn't provide that as an option. So the options that we had were like Pop-Tarts and, um, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches and Chef Boyardee, you know, all that stuff that's just not like, it's not real uh, nutritious in a lot of ways. It's not even real food, honestly. Mm-hmm. And But it tastes good and it's quick. And so that works for kids. Yep. All right. So I guess as you uh, think through your uh, newfound freedom and making decisions for your food, right? You found the, you found the frozen margarita. You found the quesadilla. You found all these different things. Uh, what point, as you starting to consume all these foods, did you start to realize, man, this might not be the move for me long term? Yeah, I think I, there was always in the back of my mind, like I always noticed that or or knew that. Um, I was going to have to make a decision on being healthy or, you know, what that was going to look like for me. And it was a roller coaster of, you know, dieting uh, and trying new things. Um, I think I just got to a point where I would feel uncomfortable, you know, like I had gotten up to about 225 pounds and everything was hard. You know, it was hard to breathe, nothing fit. Um, You know, my clothes were just always, and it just, I was just miserable. Um, and at that time, I guess I didn't, I knew it, but I didn't really want to accept it, you know, that I, I was getting out of control. And so there was a point in time, you know, from the time I moved to Dallas, I, I got married a couple of years after that. And so like, I lost a little bit because I was getting married. So I probably had lost about 15, 20 pounds, maybe. Um, and then, you know, my husband and did the same. He lost a little bit too. But then when we got married, we were newlyweds and, you know, all we did was go out to eat and just cook food at the house. And, you know, it was that, that newlywed, that, that new love, that created, yeah, new love, wait, huh? Yeah, created that like new comfort, you know, so that now we're cooking everything and we're all, we're just eating whatever. And so, um, it wasn't until I, um, had my, my, uh, first child, uh, Dylan, um, after I had Dylan, it had been about, I don't know, maybe a year or so. And my doctor was like, Hey, I'm really concerned about you um, and your health because you've already had gestational diabetes through your pregnancy. And at the rate that you're going, if you continue to eat unhealthily or unhealthy foods, and if you continue to not you know, to be sedentary and not have some type of exercise regimen, you will have diabetes in your older age. You will have high blood pressure. You will have cholesterol problems. And she just went down the list of all these um, problems or these, you know, diseases that I, that were preventable that I, I could potentially have. And I knew what it was like to have gestational diabetes. I had to give myself insulin shots during my press uh, pregnancy. And that just was not that was an eye opener for me. Cause I was like, man, this really is awful. And like, people have to do this their whole life. Like this is, you know, 
this is not how I want to live. And so I kind of, once she had that conversation with me, she was like, listen, I, I really want you to think about a couple programs. And so she, Weight Watchers was on her list and, and whatnot. And so we had that conversation. And when I left that appointment, I, um, I thought about it and I was like, you know, she may have a point. Why don't I just give it a try? And so I, I signed up for Weight Watchers and I ended up losing a good amount of weight. Um, probably that, that time I lost about 30 pounds and then, um, you know, I got, I got pregnant again. And so I was still right at like the, I was still over 200 pounds. And so, um, I had my second baby and that was like three years later. And so we kind of had the same conversation after we, after I had her, cause again, I had gestational diabetes and all the things. And so she said, okay, if this is, cause I had said it was my last baby. She's like, if this is really your last baby, she's like, I really want you to consider losing weight because you're not going to be able to live the life that you want to live and be as active as you can for your kids if you continue to do what you're doing. And so she essentially, before she left the room, I remember this, like it was like yesterday, she said, I really want you to think about it. And I really want you to do something about it. So I will see you next year, minus 50 pounds. And so I was like, and then she left, she left the room. And I was like, oh, what? Like who? Like what black person, you know, can lose 50 pounds is what I thought. Like, I mean, that was literally the thought that I was like, like, I'm not gonna, like, I don't know no black women that's 150 pounds. Like that's so funny. Like who's, who's gonna do that? And so, I don't know, I marinated on it for quite some time. And then, you know, I think a couple of weeks later, I decided to look into Weight Watchers again, cause I'd done it previously. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. Like, all I can do is try. And, you know, if it works, it works. If not, then I can say I tried. And so, you know, I, I joined the program. And before you know it, you know, I had hit like 10 pounds and it was 15 then it was 20 and so on and so forth. So it, it, it was good. I ended up, you know, meeting a goal. All right. Congratulations. That's what we like, like to hear, man. Yeah. Um, so when you think through the moments where the doctor had a mic drop moment to tell you to uh, lose this weight, um, I guess like, did that hurt your ego any? How did you work through that? No, I don't think it hurt my ego. I think I needed to hear it, you know, and sometimes you need to hear it from somebody that's not close to you, somebody that's like on the outside. And I knew she was telling me that, telling me that I needed to lose weight for several reasons, you know, and the most important reason being, um, my personal health and my children. And so that I think is what hit home for me. And I knew that like, I did not want to be, I didn't want to be sedentary. You know, I wanted to be able to be out there playing with them and being active. And I also didn't want to be the mom that they were embarrassed of, you know, embarrassed of not that your kids are, you know, most kids really aren't, they don't care how you look, you know, they're your kids, they love you. But, you know, I also wanted to be presentable and to be, the best that I could be. And I knew at the state that I was in, I wasn't, I wasn't at my best. And I, I knew I had more potential and that, you know, if I really put my mind to it, that I could do it. But I also had, I knew that a part of me was ready to do it. I just needed somebody to just tell me you need to do this. And it couldn't be my mom. It couldn't be my husband. It couldn't be anybody other than who it was. I think, you know, I think it was really like this divine intervention that kind of happened because for whatever reason, you know, my doctor, I've always admired her and her ability to still be caring about how she told me things, but she also just knew how to connect with me. 
And I think she knew that there was this competitive spirit about me. Like I'm pretty competitive when I know that I can reach a goal or I can win. Um, Aside from that, I'm really not. But I think she knew that I wanted to lose the weight and I just needed somebody to tell me to do it. And so, um, and, and that just, that's just, it just hit me. I don't know what it was. I guess it was just the right time, but my feelings weren't hurt. I just was ready. I think I, I wanted to prove a point and I wanted to come back the next year and be like, boom, see, I didn't, it. you know, I wanted to kind of throw that in her face a little bit, but, um, in a good way. For sure. For sure. Um, I think it's definitely important to have that, that third neutral party. Uh, oftentimes what that neutral party says isn't much different than things that you already knew, but I think just the fact that they're like impartial allows you to see it differently. Mm-hmm. And I think people that are close to you that will give you that same message sometimes get frustrated, but they, they just got to be okay and understand that like hearing it from a different party has helped you with processing and really yeah. fully. Getting. I agree. It's true. Okay, so you are now on this new journey to like not be so sedentary, get moving, move your body. Uh, but like, how do you know where to go? Like, you run five k's now, but that clearly wasn't where you started. And so, like, how did you know where to start and start getting the momentum on how to start working out? Um. Well, I was um, I was around people who were very active. And so I think I was pretty transparent with the fact that I was trying to lose weight and I wanted to, um, I needed to find something, you know, I had tried Zumba classes and all those things or whatever. And I just didn't like it. Honestly, I was just like, I didn't feel connected to that type of exercise community. Um, and I just, I just didn't like it. And so, um, started talking to a friend who I worked with and she, um, was a marathoner. And of course, at that time, I'm like, girl, I'm not about to be out here and run unless somebody is chasing me with a knife. Okay. Like that got, I mean, somebody got to be like ready to kill me for me to be running. And she's like, Renee, I promise you just try it. Like, just get out and walk first. You know, you can do this. Like it's, it's the easiest form of exercise and you may not love it in the beginning, but she's like, just, just give it a try. You got to get out and do something. So I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And so I ended up just kind of starting out with like a walk, you know, I would just go out and walk and, um, you know, at some point the walking felt like it it became easy. The brisk walk was easy. So then I was like, okay, fine. I'll add a little jog. And then, so I started adding a little jog and, um, I would use landmarks to determine when I would stop and walk. And so like, I would run to like from one stop sign to the next. And then I would do that until like that started feeling comfortable. And then I felt like, oh, I feel like I can continue to go. And so I would keep going and pick like, oh, I'm gonna go to that next mailbox, you know, or three mailboxes down or three houses down. And so that kind of became a game for me because I would run the same route. And then she suggested doing a race. She was like, why don't you have, she's like, I think you're a goal oriented person. And so why don't you just set, like sign up for a race? And so I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how long is this race? Like, what do you like, you know, I had no concept of like what she meant. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to win no race. And she's like, you're not going to win the race. You're just going to run the race. And so I was like, okay, fine. And so, you know, I figured out a 5k was 3.1 miles. And so I was like, okay, so I'll train for that. 
And so I started doing, you know, three miles every day. And then finally to, until I got to a place where I felt like I could run the whole way, like at a jog, you know? And so I eventually was able to do a 5k. And then I felt it, it was something about crossing the finish line and the sense of accomplishment and satisfaction that I got from crossing the finish line and saying that I set a goal, I reached the goal and no matter what time I finished in, you know, I I did it. I said I was going to do it and I did it. And so there was that adrenaline rush that I got from just starting and finishing. And so it almost became addictive after that. Like I started looking for races. And so I would do a couple, I did a couple more 5Ks and then here she come back around talking about you need to you need to do a 10k and I'm like what's a 10k and she's like it's two 5k's and I was like oh so I ended up starting doing that and then it just kind of snowballed from that the 5k became the 10k became the half marathon became the marathon you know and so um and then some friends tried to talk me into an ultra and I was like, absolutely not. I'm not like, I know where my limits are and the 26.2 is about as far as you're going to get out of me. Um, and I also am not a great swimmer. I'm not, cause people started talking triathlons. I'm not a great swimmer and I also don't have a bike. So, um, those things eventually start costing a lot of money. And I was just like, you know, I'm kind of good where I'm at, but the running is, is what, what started the transformation for me because it was the it was one of the easiest exercises to do but also your body adapts like most people's bodies adapt well when they start running um and so you end up losing a lot of weight especially for overweight people it's one of the fastest ways to lose weight when you combine that with better eating and so i found that that was you know i lost the most amount of weight when i was when i was running so um but then there got to a point, there, there came a point where the running wasn't enough for me because I was kind of, not say outrunning my calories, but like my body had gotten used to, you know, what I was doing. And so I, I started adding in some different exercises and trying and experimenting with new things. And so I ended up uh, finding a, a group of people to work out with at the gym and, um, finally got rid of that like gym fear because a lot of people, I just didn't know what to do with the gym. I didn't know what exercises to do. I didn't know like how to use any of the machines. And so um, I ended up connecting with some people at the gym who were willing to kind of take me under their wing and show me what to do. And then that also changed my whole outlook. Okay. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Uh, so for anybody that ever gets a chance to follow Renee on social media, she'd be doing all the different fitness challenges uh, and I think the one that you're doing right now is like 90 days of Shanti or something like that, right? I'm still doing it. No, it's 60 days of Shanti. So I'm in week uh, week seven. So. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I think I'm. it's encouraging and I hope people are getting uh, feeling encouraged after listening to some of your story that, you know, yes, you are now in a strong workout regimen, but like you wasn't always there and like that's okay, right? The, the only way to get there is really have to like just take the step make the baby progress and start to gain that momentum. And so once you get that momentum, you'll get there. And then I think even if you were somebody that worked out hard and then life has slowed you down, um, it's okay to start over again and kind of gain that momentum again, right? There's no right or wrong time to do this. Yeah, it is. Uh, It becomes a, you know, like they say it takes 21 days to create a habit or something like that. And like, uh, I can't go like 
I, I usually work out Monday through Saturday and I take Sunday off, but I can't go more than like two days without working out. It's just, you know, for me, it, it has become part of my lifestyle. It's, I look forward to it. I enjoy it. I, um, you know, I kind of crave that, um, that burn that I get whenever I'm exercising, like when it's hard and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so hard and I really hate this. But the minute I'm done, I'm like, that was great. <laughs> you know, so it, it has become a lifestyle and it's just not, it's something that I just, I can't see myself not ever doing, you know, as I get older or whatever, like it's motivating to me. For sure. Um, I think, you know, once you learn to kind of like get in a routine, you actually like the burn and like that's, something that becomes part of your, your enjoyment of working out. All right. So what advice would you give us uh, some of my listeners who maybe are in their twenties, mid to late twenties and like, they haven't really been like super active, but now they want to really start to take charge in their own like fitness and health journey. Well, there's a couple of things. I think um, you got to find, you got to determine what your motivation is and like what your why is like, why are you doing it? You know? And, I think once you figure out what that is, um, it's kind of easy to put stuff in motion. You know, I knew that I wanted to, to change my lifestyle because I wanted to be here for my kids and, you know, just be healthier. Um, and so that, that was the why, but then I, after that, I think you got to find what motivates you and you just have to try something. Like the thing is people, people want a quick fix, right? And none of this is quick. My dad used to always tell me nothing good comes easy, right? And I always remind myself of that. And so, you know, this past year, I had put on a little bit of extra weight. And, you know, I was still exercising, but I just wasn't eating as as, as clean as I probably should. And so I, in the past year, I've lost about 25 pounds. And part of that is just me just telling myself, you know, like, I just got to, I, I didn't want to put a time, don't put a time limit on, on, on what is going to happen. Like, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's going to take some time. Like there's no quick fix. Sure. You can join a program or you can do something. You can, you can do any one of these, what I like to call the fad diet or whatever, or the, the quick weight loss situations. You can do those. However, those are for a short amount of time. You may see results and like some great results, but how likely are you going to um, continue to to do those things, you know, to, to maintain the weight loss or the, the lifestyle? And so I think you have to really think through like what the best plan is for you and what you feel like you can do that is going to be, that's going to work with your life and be sustainable. I chose Weight Watchers because Weight Watchers allows me to eat the things that I still want to eat with moderation. I can still have my queso and my margarita on Sunday and know that during the week, you know, I'm sticking to my points and, you know, I'll stay at the same. So for me, like, I think it's just figuring out what works for you, being patient. This last time that I lost weight, I told myself that I wasn't going to give myself a time frame. You know, like some people are like, I want to lose 10 pounds in six weeks. Like I didn't want to do that because I think when you set up those, those types of goals, they, when you don't reach it, then it's easy to quit and to just say, you know what, forget it. It didn't work out. I'm going to go have a, you know, I'm going to order a pizza because what do we do? We go and celebrate with the awful foods, right? Instead of doing something healthy, you know, 
and rewarding ourselves with a healthy behavior, we go back to the unhealthy behavior. And so this time I said, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I had a, a number in mind of what I wanted to lose, but I told myself, if it takes me two years to lose it, it takes me two years to lose it because I want to be able to continue to live the life I want to live. But I also know that I need parameters. And so, um, you know, setting some setting up expectations that are attainable and that are realistic, I think, is also another key factor and super important because, you know, we set these really, really high goals for ourselves sometimes. And, and you know, sometimes you got to make the goal just a little bit less. um you got to make it attainable. So we can't, you can't go from zero to 10, right? Sometimes the goal needs to be, I'm going to go from zero to four. And then once you reach four, you're like, you know what? I'm going to reevaluate. Now I think I can go from four, four to six, you know, and then you gradually, I think you have to set yourself up with small wins in order to see, to end up at the, at the, the goal that you want to be at. And so the small victories are really where it's at, you know, Maybe saying, you know, I'm, I used to always break up my weight loss by like 10 pounds. You know, it was like, I'm just, I'm just looking to lose 10. So once I reach my first 10, I'm like, all right, that 10 is out the way. I'm going to focus on the next 10. Cause people, when, when you look at it, it's like, I want to lose 50 pounds. That's a, that's a big number. you know. So if you break it down into increments, like 10 pounds, I know I can do that, you know? And so once I've done that 10, okay, I got another 10. And so before you know it, then you've lost the 50, you know, but I think we try to bite too much off. You know, we try to, we take a big old bite of stuff instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to do this in moderation and celebrate the wins along the way and, and acknowledge those really like sit in those victories. And I think that that a lot of times is where we miss the mark and, so, and why people don't find success is because the goal is just it's so big, you know, the, the expectations are so, so big and we just need to kind of be, you know, tone that down just a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking your time to do something because again, nothing good comes easy. You know, I also try to like surround myself with people who are like-minded, you know, I, I surround myself with people who I know are going to celebrate my achievements and not, um, I know a lot of times, you know, when we're doing things, there are people who are like, yeah, you look good, but you know, you got to do all this to like, to do all that. And I'm just like, well, yeah, it's not just going to happen. You know, I have to eat better. I got to say no to the cheesecake so that I can fit into the cute dress that I ordered online. And, you know, I, I mean, there's a give and a take, right? But it doesn't mean I can't have the cheesecake. I can choose to have the cheesecake, but I'm not going to do it at every social gathering. You know, I'm going to wait until like I'm wearing the cute dress and I'm out to dinner with my husband and I can enjoy that piece of, you know, cheesecake. But then next week I'm going to, I don't have to have it all the time. You know, there's, there's the beauty in that celebration again, but um, you surround yourself with people who are going to, are going to support you. You know, and I think you also have to like set the expectation for other people. So one of the things I do when I know, you know, I'm, I'm working a plan or if I'm like really being serious or hardcore, because there are times when I'm not as hardcore, I'm about to go on vacation. So I'm probably going to allow myself to enjoy a little bit of extra that I normally don't. But when I come back from vacation, I'm going to be saying no to a lot of things. But I also let people know that I'm like, you know, I, I invite people to hold me accountable. 
Um, and so when I see somebody and I've had a friend once who said, you know, how can I help you? And I said, well, remember when you asked me if I wanted a piece of cake and I said, no. And then you asked me two more times, are you sure? You sure you don't want a piece of cake? You need to not ask. Like if I say no one time, then that's it. You don't need to ask me again. That's how you can help me, you know? And so you, you set up those parameters and people will fall in line, um, you know? And so I surround myself with the people who are going to help make me successful. And I, I give myself little reminders. You know, I have things all over that remind me of what my goals are. I have a rock that sits under my computer and it says exercise and diet. And I've kept that rock with me ever since my when I first lost weight. And it was a reminder because, you know, a lot of times we have things that we say we're going to do, but, you know, we, we make excuses and we just end up not doing it. But I diet and exercise became a rock that was not able to be moved. And so that is the one thing that I said that, you know, and I found something to symbolize that. And so when I come to work every day, I see it and it's a reminder. And so whenever I want to reach in my desk and maybe get, I don't know, some, a little piece of candy that I keep in my office for my students, you know, I, re I look at it and I'm like, oh, Renee, like, do you really need that right now? Remember to rock, you know? And so I, I do things, there are just little things that I do that are self-motivating. You have to, you got to want it. You got to motivate yourself. You can't rely on anybody else to do it, but you. And I think that that is also another hard thing that people, you got to be at a certain place to be able to do those things. Oh man, you just dropped so many, many good gems there, man. I think uh, there's many I want to ask on. But one that really sticks out to me is, I guess, the idea that like it's it's like a long game, right? I think oftentimes in our culture, we want to have like, oh, it's team summer body, and like that's great. But like, why don't that just make you? Why don't you just make it your everyday body, right? Yeah, just have your all year body, right? You know. Um, and so I guess just like challenging people to get out the mindset of like doing that for one season and make it more sustainable, right? I think that. That is a more realistic uh, model, yeah. and it, it sustains your work longer, right? So you don't have to do it like seasons of like just for summer, but like that's the same body you have all the time. Then you can be popping all year rather than just for one. Okay, another question I have is yeah. how do you, what advice would you give people that struggle to kind of eat healthy, right? Because our culture is all Chick-fil-A, margaritas, it's all sodium-filled things, right? And that, like, it's good to us, but... That's really not doing us any justice in like being healthy and fit. And so I guess what advice would you give for people trying to work through that? So I started learning more about food when I when I joined Weight Watchers. And, you know, I also just read a lot about nutrition, you know. But um, I think having, for me, having a program that I was able to incorporate real food um, like I didn't need to, to invest in, um, I didn't need to invest in any um, boxed meal or pre-prepared meal, you know, like I needed to learn how to cook for myself. So, you know, in, in doing that, I knew that I needed to have like, I needed to learn how to eat a vegetable. That was one of the lessons that was taught to me at one of my first Weight Watcher meetings. I remember the lady telling us specifically, she, she said, who in here does not like vegetables? And I was one of the only ones to raise my hand. And she said, to be successful, you have to eat a vegetable. You find the one vegetable that you will endure or that you can eat, and you eat the hell out of that vegetable. <laughs> and so I think I probably ate green beans with almost every meal 
just so that I can meet my five vegetable, you know, rule. But I think once I started eating the green bean, I was like, okay, there's got to be another vegetable out there that I like. You know, I gotta, I gotta diversify. And I just didn't know how to cook vegetables. I didn't know what to look for. And so I had a friend at the time and she was like, hey, I love vegetables. How about we do this? How about we try one new vegetable a month? And, you know, I'll help you prepare it or whatever and whatever. So I really wanted to learn how to eat salad. I was like, I really want to eat salad because, you know, that's what healthy people eat. And she's like, yes, there are some salads that are healthy or whatever. And so I, I figured out, so she she came over one day with like four different types of leafy leaf, leafy greens, you know, like the Caesar lettuce or whatever and uh, yeah, whatever. I don't even know what the lettuces are called, but then spinach, kale and some other stuff, right? So we did some kale in the oven and I didn't like the aftertaste. I was like, I can't, mm, I don't like it. Spinach, I found out, was pretty tasteless. And I was like, you know what? I can eat this. Like, this is not bad. And so once I figured out spinach, you can incorporate in everything and not taste it. I was like, hell, I can do this. I ate spinach then. So then it was green beans and spinach because I could put spinach, I can cook spinach, I could eat it raw, I could, you know, all the things and I could stomach it. So I was like, okay, that's great. So then after that, it was like, okay, well, I'll try. So then I got adventurous and I was like, okay, I'm willing to try something new. And so then I tried broccoli and I didn't like it raw, but I could eat it steamed. And so my my list of vegetables has grown, but um, I think it's important to just, what, so that was one of the things I learned from Weight Watchers was vegetable. You need to learn how to eat vegetables and also portion control. There's a reason that when you buy something on the back of the box, it tells you what the serving size is. There's a reason for that because the serving size matches the calories, right? And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm eating whatever, but it's only 200 calories. Yeah, it's only 200 calories for a half cup of cooked whatever you know and so i had to learn how to read labels you know read the boxes and um you know i understood that like i couldn't eat pizza all the time like pizza yes you can have pizza there's ways to eat pizza and make it healthy or whatever but if i wanted real pizza i could only have like maybe two slices but at the end of the day two slices was probably you know enough to fill me up I just thought in my head I needed six slices. So um, so it, it was just a lot of like personal research because I didn't learn it growing up. I mean, I didn't learn. I had to, I asked a lot of questions I, and I do attribute a lot of the knowledge that I have to Weight Watchers. Um, the program is set up super easy. So like I scan a lot of my foods and it tells, it's like a point system, you know, so I know what I can stay, what kind of points I can stay within but I also had a friend who did some clean eating and so I did a challenge with her like a six six or seven week challenge with her and through that program she had sent us some information which got me thinking about like you know you mentioned the salt uh, issue earlier and like sodium is like oh my gosh like now anytime I buy something I look at how much sodium is in it I look at how much sugar um, because all of those things are just they that those numbers add up and those things just kind of sit in your body you know like that stuff is just sit made to sit in your body and just take up space and so i don't know i'm just very particular i don't uh, you know if i'm gonna eat something that's not considered healthy i gotta really want it um 
because I don't think it's bad to like to have something every now and again. You just can't eat all the time. But like I cut out a lot of things. I cut out um, brown soda. I guess you like I'll have a Sprite every now and again because I just need the fizz. But now I drink a lot of the sparkling waters. But I gave up Coke. I don't know, 10 years ago, never have had one since. So I gave up Coke 10 years ago. Um, and I just, I, I really try to, to limit, I'm a sweet eater. So I try to limit the, the little snacks I have. I, I eat, and you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. There are times when I like to eat, I like candy or whatever, but I'm, I'm very good about portion control. Like if the serving size says I can have 21 potato chips, I will count out 21 potato chips and I will close the bag and put it back in the, in the pantry, you know? So I think those are some small things you can do just to kind of start, you know, because if we think about how much we fill our plates with, it's just, it's, it's unnecessary. So unnecessary, but like, I think that's just, that's just really what we know, right? Like as a young age, you know, you just learn to eat all this stuff. And I think back to college, right? Um, my my vice of choice was like Wendy's. We had a Wendy's on campus. I get the baconators. I get the doubles. I get the nuggets. I'll get the baconators. Get the chili. Oh man, Wendy's was my jam. Man, listen, those that that four for four will get you. That four for four was so clutch, man. Man, I know. It's I mean they make it to where it's it's easy to be unhealthy. You know, like being unhealthy is so much easier than being healthy. You know, and it's cheaper, right? This it's so much cheaper, and like that's yep. I think that's a scam of life, right? I think I'm sure there's some there's a deeper conversation we could have about kind of like food deserts and how we got there, there but I think it's wild that you know it's cheaper to get something that's going to tear your body apart than it is something that's going to help you grow and live longer. So as we pivot towards ending the podcast, uh, what is some final words of advice that you have to people as they navigate their own personal health, fitness, and like dietary journeys? as an adult? I just think you got to believe in yourself, you know, and like, you got to stop, you have to be able to, uh, to mute out everybody else, you know, like once you make a decision to, to make a lifestyle change or a healthy change, I think that you will hear a lot of people and a lot of people will try to get you off track. And it's not because they're not supportive of you. It's just that you're doing something different. You're going out of the norm. But my my advice would be just to to mute those people, you know, because at the end of the day, it's it's about being healthy and knowing that you know what you're doing is gonna eventually increase your your lifespan or you know just just help you to just feel better. I mean, I just I feel better, and who doesn't necessarily want to feel better, you know? I mean, there's other little things that come along the way, you know, I mean, I think, you know, looking better helps your self-confidence and all the things. But I mean, I, I think you just got to believe in yourself and just know that you can do it. Like, I think if we tell ourselves that we can't do things, then of course, you're not going to be able to do it. You know, you'll find every excuse in the book. But, you know, you got to you got to start somewhere. I used to always tell myself when I was learning how to run was that, you know, put one foot in front of the other, you know, just you have to create some systems for yourself, some checkpoints, you know, and I would ask myself, are you, are you hurting? Are you physically hurting? And my, the answer was always no. Can you breathe? Can you talk? Um, you know, like, is there anything physically that is keeping you from doing any of the things that you're doing? And my answers were always no. So I'm like, well, there's no reason for you to not walk or for not for you not to run. Um, there are people out there who want to do these kinds of things and who, 
literally can't. And so I think about that as well, that I am able-bodied and able to do these things. And there's really no excuse for me not to. And so, um, you know, look for your reason why and just, uh, you just start, put one foot in front of the other, you know, there's no reason not to. Yeah. If there's anybody that needs some motivation, you know, I'm always on the, on the Instagram every morning. Where can people find you at on Instagram if they want to follow your journey? Oh, well, I'm at rgibson0316 on Instagram. And, um, you know, I usually post after my workout in the morning. It's kind of like an accountability thing for me. It's not like I'm looking for people to like say, good job, Renee, or whatever. Because I think I, I pretty much got that under wraps personally. But, you know, every now and again, I'll get a little message from somebody who's like, you know, I didn't want to work out today, but I saw your stuff. And I was like, I put my workout clothes on. And so for me, if I can, if I can, um, motivate just one person to like get up and do something or to make a commitment to themselves, then I think that that, you know, that, that means more to me than anything, because I know the benefit that I receive from the, the workout and just how good I feel about it. And so I, I would love for everybody to have that experience and just to be able to do that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Renee, for sharing your life experiences, your expertise, your experiences regarding health and wellness. Uh, and hopefully you inspire somebody to kind of take more practice steps to be improve their own journeys. Um, I will add all your information in the show notes. So follow her or if you follow me on Facebook, I'll tag her in all the posts as well. And lastly, I would just like to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting and listening to the podcast, sharing it on your Instagram or anything like that. Um, I've really been overwhelmed and thankful for the, the response I've been getting from these episodes and I'm glad people are getting things out of it. So I'm going to do my best to keep providing good topics. Uh, if you have anything you want me to have somebody talk about or if you want to be a guest on this show, don't hesitate. Let me know. Reach out. We all have something to provide. I don't have all the answers. You don't have to either. Just share your life story and people can learn from that. Uh, until next time, holler at us and we'll see you next time.